And this is our final episode of season one and also 2018. Both. Literally both. Wow. (laughs) Timed it very well. Boom. We don't actually have a guest today. We have each other. We are our guests. We are each other's guests. It's so nice to have you in your house. It's so nice to have you in my house where you come nearly every time to do the podcast. So, Kate is making herself at home. She's a... supping on a ginger tea every time i come here holly doesn't offer me anything so i have to just help myself apart from today when i said do you want some tea yeah here we are so uh debunking the myth of my bad hospitality do you want some tea she shouted from the bath i'd had a bath and come out of the bath by the time kate got here and she walked in and said it smells like bath and at first i was like whoa i'm really impressed and then i was like hold on a second we had an entire conversation about how i was gonna have a bath so this is going (laughs) <laughs> to be cut so we're gonna we're gonna talk about all the wonderful people that we've met over the last few months and all the wonderful people we have yet to meet is it you listener is in it life you? or in this context well who knows? that's the philosophical question that season two of diversify will seek to answer where does diversify end and life begin are we always diversifying if i think diversify am i diversify If I diversify in Holly's flat... Does Holly have to clean up the mess? (laughs) (laughs) If I diversify so much, is it really diversity? What makes diversity... Wait, no, of course it is. Come on. Hmm? That was stupid. Hmm? Or do we all just believe the same thing? So, episode one, we had Zach Polanski, the legend that is, actor, activist... Green Party lover. Yes. What did we learn from Zach? We talked about proportional representation. Which I'm still a bit confused by. Oh yeah, still very confused by. But I know it's what I want. Do you know what I mean? For me, whatever's the most democratic thing is the best way to run a political system. Every vote needs to count. I'm still not convinced I know the specifics of how that works on a constituency level. What do you think of the idea of the philosopher ruler? I know it's a little bit ancient, but the idea that someone is trained to really know what to do so well that they make all the decisions and there's no democracy. That would be fascism. <laughs> yeah, but no, no, no. Fascism would be when that went incredibly wrong. I'm just playing like devil's advocate here. No, it would be the belief in a supreme leader. It's just that fascism always ends bad. Well, the philosopher ruler gets switched, like, every week. The pla- oh it's a Plato idea. It would be pandemonium. Like, every week they pick a new person to rule. We'd never get anything done! That seems like it wouldn't work, because either it would be too much power for one person to have, or nothing would ever get done, because you'd have a different ruler every week and everybody has slightly different moral compasses. And everyone has a different plan, which needs to be put into place. Now, this is... One of the issues with having parties change over and over again. They put their plan in. They're saying, in six years, it's all going to be fixed. And they only... I don't know how long a a party's in power for, but they're only (coughs) in power for two of those years. Everyone's in this shit. And then the other party comes in and tries to fix it with a different ideology. They fuck it up. It just gets worse and worse and worse. Basically, we're all fucked. 
To go back to your question about the philosophy, because philosophers have never been able to universally agree on a philosophy, that's why we have different kinds of moral relativism, utilitarianism, all that stuff, you would have to rely on the idea that one philosophy is supreme, which is completely based on a fallible human's personal philosophical beliefs and it doesn't take into account given circumstance or dealing with situations as they occur which is also something that needs to be done when you are practically running the country i'm glad we put the world to rights have you ever watched the good place no i mean it's a comedy but it's all about philosophy what makes somebody good what makes somebody bad and there's a um, ethics professor that's great what who's in it Kristen Bell. And, and where can we watch it? It's on Netflix. Netflix. Netflix is a good place. And it's about philosophy and what makes someone good and bad. And It all takes place after death. Middle. But it's also a ridiculous comedy. But yeah. I think that's on my list, actually. Um, I read something wonderful on the tube today. What? There are no good and bad people. Just charming and tedious ones. I think that's got to be Oscar Wilde. Probably. It's a great idea until you're oh, like, yeah, but there are definitely some people who do some really bad shit. And they're still charming. Yeah. Richard Sturd. Love him. Sexy. So, Zach. (laughs) (laughs) I've got to say, though, the thing that I found really interesting about that, he didn't actually come on to talk about universal basic income, but we basically were all just like, yes, please. Let's talk about that more. Yeah. It should happen, right? We're going to bring him back, though, aren't we? He's got so much more that he can bring to the podcast, so hopefully we'll get him back next year. Maybe we'll have to have him once a season. Once a season, just to... Again, explain what proportional representation is to us. <laughs> Next time we should get him to draw a diagram. Diagrams are great. We never put on that diagram of Pac-Man eating a pizza from <laughs> Daniel York Lowe's episode, which segues me on nicely. Daniel York. Oh, what a lovely, lovely, lovely man. Little bit of updating on him. He had a play called Forgotten. At the Arcola. Which he wrote. And Did really well, didn't it? It was all about... East Asian culture and history and seems to have completely killed it so uh, this high fives for you Daniel that was two high fives but me and Holly just high fives ourselves Um, so we basically just clapped so in a way it's our own not standing ovation there we go he came on to talk about the importance of representation in the media and the erasure of East Asian culture and it was very good to talk to him he had some really great stories not just from now but from growing up it was illuminating to see sort of the journey that he'd been on as the industry has changed and as people's approach and awareness of representation has changed as well and hopefully it's just going to continue to um, improve. The thing that I found really interesting was he might not be using the terms like intersectional feminism and all this stuff but his thought processes were always super intersectional about different races, how different genders are affected, how young East Asian women are considered hypersexual and East Asian men are considered asexual in the media. And so how his thinking kind of spanned all that, almost without him even trying. I also think listening back, it just makes me think that there are lots of times floating around that you may or may not have heard of, may or may not have considered the meaning of, but Daniel 
he strikes me as someone who would be able to have a conversation with someone without using any of those terms and to not be judgmental about the fact that these people hadn't heard this word or that word and just to have a human conversation with someone and and I really felt that from him. He also won't take any shit. He won't take any shit at the same time, obviously. Which is as it should be. Be kind and generous if you can, but also if somebody's overstepping the mark, just be like, "Mm, no. And I think that that's something that you have to practice anyway as a human being is knowing when to shout, when to be calm, when to hold your tongue even though you're feeling furious and when to be compassionate. I mean, obviously, always be compassionate, but it's finding a balance between all of those things. It's always so difficult to master. I always say you kind of have to weigh up in a situation. Do you want to be right or do you want to be useful? And sometimes you can be both. Sometimes you're neither. And that's when you have to go, oh, I was wrong. I'm learning from this. I think most people want to be useful as much as they want to be right. So sometimes you have to quieten down the kind of bashing people over the head with how wrong they are or just their ignorance. But sometimes you're just talking to somebody. Their ideology is so hateful and ignorant, but you can just tell that they are not interested in learning. They don't want to listen to you. So in that instance, just be right. You can leave that conversation being like, I was right and I'm going. And then there are other conversations where you go, okay, I'm going to concede some points here just to keep you engaged because in the long run, I think we're planting some seeds there, which in 10 years time will bloom into a wonderful, diverse tree of life. Can I tell you something I did once? Yes, I'm scared. Okay, so this is a very long time ago when I was a student. I used to work in a cocktail bar and this guy would come in and kind of was, you know, quite interested in me or whatever, whatever you say. One night, I would finish work and I was hanging out with him and um, he used a very, very inappropriate word to describe one of my friends that was working at the bar. Oh, God. I know, it was the worst. What kind of inappropriate word? The N-word. <gasps> and he was Turkish. But that didn't make it any better. So I turned around to him and was like, what the fuck did you just say? Processed what happened, took him outside. The bouncers were like, what's going on? Like, I just saw you shouting at him. And I was like, give me one moment. Sat down with him. I was like, right, why did you use that word? And he was like, but everyone where I'm from uses that word. It's not meant to be mean. Like, I was just going to buy her a shot. And I was like, okay, these are the reasons why you can't say it. I don't care if you're not white. You can't use that word. Talked to him for about two, three minutes, very compassionately and calmly. Obviously he thought that he'd like fixed everything and it was all good and we were gonna like date or whatever. Took him back inside, went back to the bouncers, was like, right, now you can throw him out. <laughs> so in that respect, you were both useful and, and right. right. <laughs> so episode two was with Sam Elson, the social media insta vintage pinup model and she's a social media influencer and she's a mental health awareness person. So she has borderline personality disorder and she explained what that meant. I think as we talk about mental health more, BPD kind of gets left behind. Even people who work in mental health, there can still be a stigma because they see the stigma from the outside. I think it's difficult because it's not talked about enough and people often throw it into the sort of bipolar pit and there are so many more aspects of it that affect your behaviour that unless you understood what a borderline personality disorder sufferer is like, you would think that that person was being rude or antisocial or so many different things. 
And I think that you can apply that actually to a lot of things. You can apply that to anxiety. It's the way people deal with what they're experiencing as opposed to actually what they're experiencing, which is really difficult to explain to people that don't understand it. Yeah, especially as people who have BPD suffer with depression, suffer with anxiety. So it's, I think it's very easy to lump it in with a bunch of other things. Also, you're right, nobody talks about it. Nobody talks about it. The TV show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, that is the only time I've ever seen BPD openly talked about and explored. Yeah, because we talked about Girl Interrupted, which supposedly she had BPD, but they didn't explain any of it. Yeah. This is also the episode that we came up with the idea to ask everyone what their favourite Disney movie was, which we unfortunately forgot to ask Barney the Doctor, so I might need to ask you to do a follow-up on that one. I think he really likes Terry Pratchett books. The famous Disney classic, (laughs) Terry Pratchett. Barney is very into board games and Dungeons and Dragons and I played Dungeons and Dragons with him before after being forced to and then just like really enjoyed myself. It was so much fun. Um, anyway, yeah, so Sam's amazing. She's on Instagram at Blossom and Buttercups. We also talked about just general anxiety and depression methods that might help you deal with your own stress and anxiety and everyone should go into therapy. I literally could not agree more. Everybody should have therapy. And it is affordable. There are so many charities where you can get weekly sessions for however much you can afford. Yeah. And you tell them how much you can afford. I think the ICC is very good for that. They're starting to consider putting CBT into schools, primary schools. And I honestly, the idea that you could teach a kid in primary school how to process everything they're going through. Because as we all know, that's the time when the things that happen to us, they stay with us for a very long time. And how to look at what we're feeling in a non-judgmental and as objective as we can weigh. If we can learn that when we're younger, then it's way less likely that 10, 15 years later we're going to feel something and immediately go, well, we're stupid for feeling that. Well, we're not. Feelings aren't stupid. Episode four was Connie the lobbyist. Who was absolutely wonderful. Smashed it out of the park. Is it bad that the thing that I think to you when I think of that episode is drinking in Parliament? Yes. It's just because I happen to be drinking in one of the stories in Parliament, so obviously it's all about me. Fair. So we talked about the day-to-day life of an MP, the day-to-day life of a lobbyist, what it means, what the whips are. So many things that you would probably listen to the news and go, oh, I wonder what that is, and never get round to looking up. And they were all there, and I just found that so useful talking to her. It was like a snapshot into what a lobbyist does. I just think her job is fascinating. I had a little birthday the other day. She turned up at like 6.30, having been at one of these events, stayed for an hour and a half, and then had to go back to Parliament because... I was nearly the Brexit, the Brexit discussion, so basically... Everybody in Parliament is just not leaving. So she was saying that it's a nightmare for lobbyists because all of a sudden the MPs are all trying to figure out that. So if you're trying to lobby for something completely different, all of a sudden you have to get their time in quickly because nobody's thinking about this law that you're trying to change or whatever because they're trying to think of this massive idea of what Brexit is and how it can affect our country. And and how they'd like to get home before Christmas. Who'd have thunk it? MPs have lives. Good. So who was after Connie? After Connie was Barney the Doctor. Barney the Dinosaur Doctor. Hi, kids. Why didn't we make a joke about that when he was here? Because, Kate, we're too highbrow for that. So Barney, a real-life junior doctor, working... In a real-life hospital. For the real-life, for now, NHS. 
I felt like that episode was a bit of a roller coaster because there were some really funny bits. And some really heartbreaking moments as well. Yeah, just the reality of what is happening to the NHS. We didn't really go into too much of the politics and the actual privatisation of the NHS, but the kind of conclusion that was drawn that was like, everything will even out because everybody who's in the most dire need of help will die. Yeah. Which, depending on which philosopher runs our country at this point (laughs) in Kate's dystopian future, will be totally worth it or totally not. It's like sacrificial lamb. (laughs) So that we don't have to pay as many taxes. What do we do with all the old people? It's just awful. Are you feeling good about the NHS at the moment? Absolutely not. And that's why I wanted to get Barney on not to necessarily talk about the politics of it so much, but I always find that to really empathise and to really listen to someone's human experience of something can be more valuable, I think, than just hearing people go, Junior Doctors! Yeah. Yeah, but what do you mean, Junior Doctors? Junior Doctors are working at the weekends. Well, what does that mean? Oh, here's like eight stories that happened to me this week. (laughs) Oh, and I haven't slept. Oh, and I just saved eight people's lives and pulled a baby head out of a lady outside the fucking hospital. And I just want a tiny little bit of money that will allow me to live and maybe one day own a house. The NHS is getting gutted, but that means that it's not working as well, which is what they want, because if it doesn't work as well, then you go, see, we have to privatise it. But the only reason it doesn't work as well is because the people who want to privatise it have been gutting the services, making it hemorrhage money, making the system not work, making it not put its doctors and nurses and everybody who works in these hospitals as a priority, which means it gets gutted more and more and more, which means at some point our only option is to privatise it because it doesn't exist anymore. Keep trying to find a punchline. There's no punchline. It's like the end of a really realistic novel where nothing great happens and everyone dies. After Barney, we had straight white man Jack Silver. And Libby. And Libby, who is a D-deaf performer. Libby's surname is? Libby Welsh. Libby Welsh. She talked to us about life as a deaf person. She explained to us what the D-deaf community is. There's a thing called Big D and Little D. Which is very confusing because, as we said... It's a bit of gang mentality there, a bit elitist. Yeah, it's what you were talking about, divide and conquer. It's like, well, let's fight amongst ourselves, which is sad. But I'm of the belief that just let somebody identify how they want to identify within the confines of common sense. So if somebody wants to identify capital D deaf, or small d deaf or not in the deaf community fully or fully in the deaf community even if they have cochlear implants and don't usually use sign language then let them be part of that community and find their own way the within reason part comes from you know white people pretending to be non-white but then that's appropriating somebody else's oppression for your own personal gain for example a famous version would be the american rachel dolezal who was a spokesperson for various campaign groups on behalf of the african-american community in america and it turned out that she was a white woman She did her hair to make it look like she had naturally black hair. She tanned herself. Then it all kind of came out. There's this big discussion about white people appropriating racial politics as a minority for their own personal gain. Um, There's been a recent thing in the news in the UK about a man who 
was basically selling himself as mixed race. Yeah, but I, I think, I mean, I don't want to speak on behalf of anyone else's community here, but it just seems like this particular guy, Anthony Lennon, he was born, so he must have had, um, he must have some sort of mixed heritage at some point, you know, further back, but his parents are white. But he's been treated his whole life by other people as someone who's mixed race because he is not white presenting. Anyway, he's experienced bouts of racism. No, he will have, because of the way that he appears to people. He will have experienced bouts of racism, and therefore I can imagine how his identity to him, he might feel like he's not white. But that's the same thing with Rachel Dolezal, and that's... But I don't know, I, don't, I feel very cynically about people who present as something and about how much of that is inherently them. With her, you can see, I mean, you look up her name on Google and there's before and after pictures, whereas he doesn't have before and after pictures. I mean, look, my girlfriend walks down the street a lot and gets abused for being foreign. She's Scottish, people think she's Eastern European, she gets it all the time. She's not about to then try and become a spokesperson for the Eastern European community because she's experienced the effect of somebody assuming she was Eastern European and shouting at her about it. No, it Whereas was... he was like, great, I'm going to try and win a bursary. It was not the right thing to do. I, God, I can't even imagine what was going through his head when he accepted that, but I can imagine how you'd end up there because if you do have, you know, say far back you had African heritage or something and I can see how you'd be like, no, I do identify because... Yeah, but there's this whole thing happening at the moment now with all these people getting their heritage on DNA sites. All of a sudden, these like white people trying to get in touch with their Ugandan or Taiwanese or, yeah. or all these roots that have no bearing in their life whatsoever other than the fact that we are a species who has been fucking each other for millions of years and of course you're unlikely to purely come from one place and we're probably all descendant from certain people in Africa. And you get all these white people all of a sudden being like, I'm going to go travel to India to rediscover my native culture. You're thinking, you've got nothing to do with that. I, yeah, I mean, great, if it's your grandparent, maybe if it's your great-grandparent, there's nothing to stop you from being interested in it, but I feel really uncomfortable about white people who then co-opt it. But it's all about a human being wanting to feel like they belong somewhere. Yeah, I, I, think, I think another thing is, nobody's saying that white people can't be great allies to the black community. Nobody's saying that straight person, if they do all their homework and listen to LGBT people in the room, can't write or direct or be a part of a show or something that is about the LGBT experience. It's just when you then pretend it's yours to get in the room and you're thinking, well, now you're just appropriating. Everybody grows up being treated a certain way because of their assumed gender and because of their social class and because of the colour of their skin and everything. And there are parallels in every single experience, but they're not the same ones. Totally. We have different experiences that really can be used to prop each other up. But Libby was so amazing. Um, she's just so open and very calm. She was very calm when she talked about her really upsetting experiences to listen to, actually. Again, it's, it's about that human thing. It's about hearing someone's human experience of this oppression or this part of the world. And I think so often with disabled communities, it's not always deliberate oppression. We haven't even tapped into how ingrained into our language and culture the lack of 
understanding and support for disabled people yeah it's like it's not even outright hate it's just nobody thinks about it we haven't got there yet i would imagine that after a bit more work in this area has been done in 10 years time someone will say oh that's lame and everyone in the room will turn and go i can't believe you just said that is it weird to think how things evolve and how yeah. we might become those old fogies who can't understand why calling people coloured is inappropriate? Do you know what I mean? I think there's a way, though, of processing all this. The wonderful story that Libby told about... I think she told this story after we'd stopped recording, but she, uh, someone was wearing headphones in the rehearsal room and she turned around to him and went, yeah, that's really offensive to my people. <laughs> and it, apparently only Libby and Jack got that it was a joke and everyone else in the room was just like holding their breath as this guy kind of flustered and, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't, I, I, no, I, they came free with something and I, I mean, there's ways of everyone going, okay, let's all think about this. Lame, dumb, you can't jump from, I've never even noticed, no one in the room has even noticed what this word actually comes from, to how dare you use that word in my presence, get out of my house and everyone speaks to you again. It's just a lot more rational and and logical and useful to just go, oh by the way, I just realised where that word derived from the other day and I'm not going to use it anymore. Well, and also it makes you realise how ingrained they are when you can genuinely spend minutes trying to think of a different word that's more appropriate and you can't think of one the same is with like oh that was mad oh that was crazy and you're thinking Mm. i'm trying to stop myself from using those words at the moment because we shouldn't use the word mental this person was being mental because it's offensive to people who are suffering from mental health conditions which is most of us (laughs) yes exactly so you just think how much our entire language is built around ableism and her just experiences of that and going on TFL and it's hard enough to hear even with a somebody with really good hearing some of the tannoy announcements when trains change destinations and buses change destinations like when have you been on the underground or on a train and a lot of older trains don't have a screen that tells you anything yeah it's hard enough trying to navigate the tube when it's on time and you're on the right platform and you're not late i think the thing about libby that i was finding myself my little 19 year old 18 19 year old closeted gay self was just empathizing so much with so many things she was saying but at the end of the day i can still go out into the world and if i'm not holding my girlfriend's hand i can walk down the street and the world is still made for me. Every time she leaves the house, the world is stacked against her. And just that aha moment of realising that the entire world is stacked against somebody just because they were born without perfect hearing is... But I also think that these changes are going to take... You can't just suddenly make every single person in the world too woke to cope. Hashtag! I think too woke to cope is important. (laughs) I just think we just need to not jump down people's throats because, yeah, not everyone has realised everything immediately. As soon as as one person in the world realises that lame is not okay to say, it doesn't mean that everyone else is. And to then turn around and shout at them, that's where the stigma comes from for general wokeness. You know I wasn't meaning to upset anyone. And I, I totally get that reaction. But again, I'm also not the sort of person that would jump down your throat if you said the word lame. I would just, by the way, did you know that that's not okay? It's become so distanced from what it originally meant that we just take it for granted that we can use it when we shouldn't. So I just found Libby really awesome, and I know Jack doesn't like the term ally, but I really do, and I think we need more straight, white, male and female people who are willing to 
use their privilege to give other people a platform. And we also need everyone to not play the game of the oppression Olympics and support each other. If everyone doesn't win, no one wins. Yeah. Yes. So Kamari was our final guest on season one of Diversify. Black, trans, non-heteronormative, disabled man. He was so cool. Oh, I love Kamari. He is eloquent and thoughtful and creative. And again, bravely sharing his personal experiences with us, which I really just found so valuable. We had like two super emotional (laughs) episodes at the end of the season, didn't we? We definitely had to cut a couple of times when we were listening to Kamari's story because we were just like, can we just have a tea break? Can we just have a little eye-dabbing break? Anyone fancy a biscuit? (laughs) I needed some toast. Yeah, I find him very... I just find him very thoughtful and he was remarkably open, like you said. I just... I'm sort of in love with Kamari. There you go, Kamari. So talented, so cool. I want Kamari to be my friend. Well, he already is my friend, so... He's kind of yours then. (laughs) Yay! So that was our seven... Eight guests. Eight guests in seven episodes. They were an amazing bunch of interesting, intelligent and thoughtful people who are inspiring us to embrace diversity and be the best people we can be without without being too hard on ourselves when we don't always make the grade. I mean, no one's perfect. So that was season one of Diversify. If you enjoyed it, drop us a tweet. We would love to hear from you. Email us at ourteamq at gmail.com. And don't forget, please, to rate and subscribe. It's really helpful for us getting the word out. We're a new podcast. We want to make sure as many people hear about it and listen to it as can and want to. All the episodes are going to be staying up, so tell your friends, and we'd love them to hear. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your dog. (laughs) Tell racist Uncle Michael. Tell racist Uncle Michael. Um, Thanks also to Tramp Theatre Company, who have sponsored transcriptions. If you go to www.wearetheq.com forward slash diversify, that's where you'll see on one page a list of all the episodes, streaming, also links to iTunes and Spotify. And that's where all the transcriptions will be as well. Also, thank you so much to Fit and the Conniptions. Wayne, who is the songwriter, allowed us to use the track Useful Things as our intro and outro music every single episode. So, good friends helping us out. Before we go as well, happy Christmas or whatever holiday you celebrate. Happy holidays. Happy family time. Happy family time. Happy friends time. Happy time of Joy and peace and love and sitting by the fire with a cup of hot chocolate or the fire (laughs) on your laptop screen. And remember that this is quite a tough time for a lot of people. So if you have any time to reach out to somebody who you think might need some help, if you have any spare cash, donations to homeless charities are always incredibly, incredibly gratefully received this time of year. Um, donations to refugee charities in Calais, people are going around slashing tents and burning sleeping bags. So if you can help make this time of year that should be really lovely and full of love a little bit more bearable for those who unfortunately don't get the opportunity to celebrate, then that's great. Thank you for going on this journey with us. Season two is going to be bigger and better and... We'll see you next year. Shit. 
2019. Where did the year go? Where did the year go? I swear Christmas was last week. Thank you for listening and see you next year. Can we sing the song from Muppet Christmas Carol just to, to send everyone up? You, all you have to do is bum, 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 bubbity, bum, bum, bum. 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 Tis the season bum. to be jolly Bum-ba-dee. and joyous. Bum. 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 Holy shit. What's my life? <laughs> New theme tune.